Sadella. Uh, it was 109, was he? 115. 14, exactly. And he was, the man was preaching strong. Amen. So you, you, you make a mark in this world in Jesus' name. You won't just pass time. People, when, when, you, when you leave, people will know someone left. <clears throat> Excuse me. Amen. Uh, if you will open with me in your Bibles, Genesis chapter 2, we want to talk this morning on the subject, creating boundaries in marriage. By extension, creating boundaries in our relationships. You know, this month has been our Mr. and Mrs. Better Half month. We've spoken a lot uh, about relationships, social relationships, marital relationships, and all of that. In our Wednesday services, we were talking, uh, me and my emotions. Last Wednesday, we explored, uh, to some extent, temperaments and um, anger management. You know, we spoke about the four types of people when it comes to anger. Uh, there's the martyr, there's the maniac. Um, trying to remember the other ones now. Somebody help me. There's the what? There's the manipulator. Then there's the mute. Yeah, the mute is the one who implodes instead of exploding. It's like a pressure cooker. Amen. I, I, I said I, I think I fall into that category. God has delivered me though. Or do I say he's delivering me? I think God has delivered me. Amen. I remember back in secondary school, then as skinny as I was, I don't get into fights. But every fight I remember, I saw blood. And it wasn't mine. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> you know, it took a lot to get me to, to lose it. You know, but almost every time, the only guy who didn't bleed, I think he went for an x-ray. Yeah. You know, um, there's this anointing that would just, sorry, this spirit that would just come on me um, if, if you really got me to the edge. Amen. So uh, I, I do hope that in the course of this month, you know, we're able to make use of those messages and become better people. Genesis 2.25, creating boundaries in marriage, creating boundaries in our relationships. I want us to read Genesis 2.25 together. One, two, let's go. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and we're not ashamed. And this is God's intention for marriage. This is God's intention for our good relationships or whatever relationships we find ourselves in uh, that is godly. That you have friends, that you have family, that you can be, in quote, naked before. You can be vulnerable. They know your strengths. They, they know your weaknesses. Now, it's important to realize that countries and states have clearly defined boundaries. Amen. Countries and states have clearly defined boundaries. So at some point in Nigeria, you will be told that if you cross this line, you've stepped into maybe Cameroon. Um, I, I don't know where else, you know. Uh, there's the guy I saw recently who, was, uh, who said he was going to Italy by road. <laughs> Amen. And, um, and, and, and he said he was going to Italy by road. And his, the people in his cluster had tried to convince him otherwise. And said, don't go to Italy by road, that, 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 that. And so the matter got to his uh, area coordinator. Then somehow the matter got to me because the guy just insisted that he was going to Italy by road. So he came to my office and I asked, so why are you going to, <laughs> to Italy by road? So he said, ah, you know, pastor, I just feel like going to Italy by road. I knew there was something he wasn't saying. 
You know, so I just feel like, I said, how, how do you feel like? Why not take a flight? Why not? No, he said, after Abraham walked and go. <laughs> Honestly, you know, and at some point I closed my office door and I asked him <laughs> some serious questions. Then I realized, you know, he had at some point been deported. I said, ah, okay, it makes sense. You have to go by road now. <laughs> Amen. And so, so, I mean, as much as I tried to convince him, you can make it here, you can do it here. So how do you plan to go by road? And, and it was not his first time, by the way. You know, so he started to give me the, the whole story. Amen. And, uh, you know, I, he wasn't going to agree not to go, but he said he needs money. I said, the problem is I cannot give to what I don't believe in. Amen. I also cannot pray for what I don't believe in. You know? But he called from Libya at some point on his trip, to tell us he was in Libya. He was stuck in Libya. Um, the trip to Italy, I don't know. I don't know. I, he hasn't called since then. We just pray um, that he's safe wherever he is. Now you wonder why there are Nigerians in Guinea-Bissau. In, <laughs> maybe they are on their way to Italy. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. But every country has clearly defined boundaries to prevent conflict uh, last week, um, it was a Syrian war plane that was shot down. It was shot down by what country now? Israel. They shot down a Syrian war plane. Why? Because it said it ventured into Israeli territory. So you see, there are boundaries. There are lines you, mu- you must not cross. There's a line with my name on it. And you mustn't cross that line. Yeah. So you have this, uh, 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 you know, whenever we read, if you, if you happen to read uh, websites like Sahara Reporters a lot, you know, you read up on the Boko Haram issue and all that. You also hear the issue of borders. The other day there was a fight and our soldiers found themselves in Cameroon. Somehow, you know, crossed the border into Cameroon and I had a cross back. Uh, the ISIS crisis in uh, Syria, you hear about, I mean, I know overnight there was a bombing on the Turkish-Syrian border. Amen. So we have, we, have, we have clearly defined boundaries to prevent conflict, to prevent attack, to prevent infiltration. Amen. Boundaries limit contact. Boundaries restrain access. You've seen, on, uh, you've seen on some gates before. They say, uh, be careful or out of bounds. There are dogs here. I, had a, a, I knew a family who had uh, crocodiles. They said there are crocodiles here. I had a friend who had a snake at home. <laughs> you know, by the time you see on somebody's gate, there's, you will even enter that street. <laughs> Not the house. <laughs> You know, I had a friend who, uh, his dog Rex, as a six-footer, me, my friend's dog could put its paws on my shoulders. So imagine how big that dog is. I could look at Rex in the face if Rex was. So, you know, by the time my friend is walking with Rex, you know, that's a boundary. It's a moving boundary. (laughs) You just wonder, why are people crossing the road from? (laughs) Why are people crossing the road from the next street? Because there's a boundary. You get what I'm saying? Aha, uh-huh. you know, and in marriage, we should have boundaries. In marriage, we should have lines that we have agreed not to cross. It keeps us from coming under attack. It also permits us to defend ourselves. 
if and when we come under attack. So it prevents intrusion. It keeps us in check. It defines the limits of how far we can go. So boundaries need to be defined so that boundaries can be defended. It's important also to note that you are the watchman over your home and over your marriage. Husband, you are the watchman over your home and over your marriage. Wife, you are the watchwoman over your home and over your marriage. Very important to understand that. That both of us should keep watch over the boundaries of this marriage so that there is no infiltration. So we keep the right things in. We keep the undesirable things out. In Genesis uh, uh, 7, the 16th verse, the Bible says uh, that those that entered male and female of all flesh went in as God had commanded. This, of course, was into the ark. And the Lord shut him in. So every, every, every family, every home, every relationship should have a door. Amen. It says when they went in, the Lord shut him in. Noah could not leave the door of the ark open. You can imagine after two by two, every animal had gone in and then the flood came and the door was open. You have other insects, animals who hitch a ride, you know, that shouldn't have been on the boat. Why? Because the door was left open. They say it was uh, during this truth commission that we had then, Reverend Hassan Kuka, who said uh, uh, he was talking to one of these people they were interrogating about the state house. He said, you see, the problem is when you open a public toilet, all sorts of flies will come. Because the sorts of people who were saying they met the president, they went to the state house, they said, ah, you went to the state house. Amen. Why? Because when the door is not shut, anything... Look, even spiritually, you should have boundaries. You should have boundaries. Spiritually, you should have boundaries. So that not anything just crosses in. You don't allow just anything. You don't allow just any thought. You know, there's no, there's no do or don'ts. There's no line you can't cross. Then you don't know when you're trespassing. So you are the watchman over your home and over your marriage. We must also draw boundaries to protect resources that are meant for our marriages. Pastor Idris gave a very interesting example in the second service. He said, if you look at the budget of New York City, which by the way is uh, larger than the budget of this country, if you look at the, the budget of New York City, you will never see them budget to repair the Lekki Expressway. Why? Because it is not within their boundaries. So boundaries help you manage your resources. Boundaries help you manage what is yours. Boundaries help us manage our time, help us manage our money, help us manage our emotions, help us manage our energy. When there is no boundary, you do anything for everyone, for anyone, anyhow, you get tired, lose your strength. Why? There's no boundary. You are a good boy. People say, if you talk to Yemi, he will do it. I know him. (laughs) They've never heard you say no. So help me... Help me wash. Let brotherly love. Help me clean. You know, if if people know you will always say yes, soon they will start encroaching. Soon they will start crossing. Soon they will start asking you what they, they, they shouldn't be asking. Why? Because there's no boundary. Yeah, so we, we draw boundaries to protect our resources. We draw boundaries even to protect our bodies. 
if you are married, your body is exclusive for one person. You can't share it. You can't say, brother, love must continue. You can't say, uh, 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 the Bible says, as much as within your power, do good to all men, especially them that be of the household of faith. You know that scripture doesn't apply there. <laughs> you can't say give and it shall be given unto you. It just it doesn't apply. So you see, there's a boundary there even for your body. But that is applicable when you recognize there's a boundary and you apply it. As couples, as people in relationships, we need to sit down every now and then and then and decide what our boundaries are. It prevents conflict. So they don't say, ah, but you know, I want it this way. No, I want it that way. Sometimes it's because we just never agreed how we want it. We never sat down to discuss how we want it. Amen. Amen. Hebrews 12, uh, the, the, sorry, 13, the fourth verse. It says, marriage is honorable amongst all, the bed undefiled, but fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. I have a very interesting statement here. Boundaries are for your own good. Hallelujah. Boundaries are for your own good. Do you know when you build a fence around your yard, you're not building that fence so you can understand your neighbor's boundaries? You know, the Bible says if the, if the hedge be destroyed or if the hedge be broken, the serpent will bite. It's about you. The hedge is about you. You're not building that fence so you tell your neighbor how he's to behave. Boundaries. Have you gone to, have you gone to the shop before without a shopping list? Talk to me, Elevation Church. You've gone to the shop without a shopping list. Wasn't it a wonderful experience? <laughs> didn't you come back with some things you didn't plan to buy? Or God help you, you go to the shop with your little child. And then you just venture around the... See, if you understand how shops are designed, it makes you a wiser person. It is not by coincidence that the suites and the toys are around the same area and that they are not on top. They are at eye level for a child. You think that just happened by, by coincidence? <laughs> I saw an advert once where, you know, the mother would always go to the, uh, the shop with the child and the child would throw a tantrum and the child would get angry and roll on the floor and the mother will say, okay, okay, let's buy the toy. And they'll buy the toy. And one day the mother went to the child. And as soon as they got into the shop and they got into the child section, the mother fell on the floor and started throwing a tantrum and was crying. The child was like, huh? <laughs> the child was I'm meant to be doing this. What's going on? <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. So you go shopping, you go with your list. That's a boundary. So when you see uh, jelly, I'm one of the worst people to go to a shop without a list. I just shop as I'm led. You understand? So you see jelly, you see sweets. I, I happen, as God would have it, to be a bit of a sweet tooth. You know, I'm, I'm working on it now. I was telling them in the office um, about this new box of sugar we have at home. The cubes are smaller than the conventional cube, and so I like it. Amen. Because now when I take two, I know I'm not really taking two. It's, it's good, you know, it's good for my, for my psychology. Every now and then I'm tempted to take more than two. Yesterday I was uh, 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 
soaking a, soaking a bowl of gari, you know, and my wife brought about, I think it was about five, I don't remember, of the small ones, you know. But I didn't know how to tell her, man, I'm not feeling this thing. <laughs> you know, so, so um, the one she was planning to take was right beside. And then she came and she put like two cubes in there and she had to go back to get something. And I was binding the devil. And so somehow I took the two cubes. By the time I stopped myself, I dropped it in my. <laughs> God knows I tried to stop, you know. And then I prayed she would not remember. And so she came and she looked in her bow. She said, What happened here? I said, Where? <laughs> he said, Where, is, where are my cubes of sugar? I couldn't hear. I just smiled. I said, I'm, You know. <laughs> Hallelujah. I trespassed. I didn't mind <laughs> the boundary. Amen. So you build boundaries around your own yard so you can maintain control of what happens to your own property. If you don't build boundaries around your yard, you will cut your neighbor's grass. Am I correct? And you will cut the other neighbor's grass. And they will love you for it. <laughs> Hallelujah. For singles. You are not responsible for everything or everyone. Amen. You are not responsible for everything or everyone. I was reading a book recently, uh, sorry, today actually, about boundaries. Um, and, and it's Dr. Henry Cloud, Henry Cloud. And he was talking about, oh, you know, the fact that when we, if you go to Galatians chapter 6, Galatians 6, do I have that here? Galatians chapter 6, verses 2 to 5. It says, Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man think himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let every one man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone, and not in another. For every man shall bear his own burden. Now you see a bit of contradiction here. It says, Bear another's burden, and fulfill the law of Christ. And in verse 5, it says, every man shall bear his own burden. Now, in verse 2 there, the sense is that there is, uh, there is an amount of burden, so to speak. Amen. That is yours. Now, you may not be responsible for what someone else does. Do you get that? You know, this guy who keeps pressuring you for sex. Please, don't try to help the brother. Pastor, I was just you know, trying to, to help. No, 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 no. As much as he's you know, under pressure, you may help and advise him on how to handle the pressure. But if it gets out of hand, okay? So, so the, in this book, Dr. Cloud was giving examples, and he says, for instance, uh, you cannot help if your husband uh, shouts at you. He says, but you can control how you react. So you can hang up the phone. Or you can walk out of the room. And I said, this man doesn't know Africa. <laughs> I felt there needed to be some cultural and uh, some cultural context to that. Hallelujah. You want to walk out of the room on, you know, some African men, they are the land of the tribe of their house. <laughs> if, you, <laughs> if you walk out. So I just felt there needs to be wisdom applied here. You know, I heard there was this uh, uh, convention of women and, and uh, you know, fighting for women's rights and things like that. 
And so uh, uh, the, the women, you know, the women said, ah, we have, to, we have to fight for our rights. Our husbands are shouting at us. They are talking to us anyhow. You know, when you go back home to your countries, make sure you fight for your rights. And so they all went. And uh, uh, I heard the following year, they came back together to, to share notes. Amen. And the, the Chinese woman said, oh, you know, uh, Lee, Lee never used to wash the place before. And that day I just shouted at him. And I said, you have to wash the plates. And I started seeing changes. Lee now washes the plates. Amen. And the American woman said, oh, uh, uh, John never used to iron the uh, clothes. You know, and one day I just said, no, John, I can't have any more of this. You know, I'm going to. And, and then John started ironing the clothes. And then the Nigerian, you know, she said, I was seeing changes. And John started ironing the clothes. Then the Nigerian woman uh, uh, came, you know. <laughs> and, then, and then she said, you know, Kuli never used to clean the house. Uh, um, and then one day I just shouted. I said, Kule, no, you have to start cleaning the house and everything, you know. I said, well, initially I wasn't really seeing anything, you know. The second day, by the third day I started to see from my left eye, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Amen. So you know what happened? Hmm. So you don't just take any book and say, <laughs> I try to see a little from my left eye. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. But in, in, in a true sense, you, you are at least responsible for how you react in situations and how you behave. So our, our boundaries must reflect divine order and not human tradition. If you will go by what people say or what, by what people think or by what communities think. Do you know that there are communities in this country? where um, they believe the woman must be pregnant before they get married. Amen. They want to, they want to test the product. Test the warranty. <laughs> Can I return this product after 90 days? You just say, I ah, know, you know, she must become pregnant. Now, that cannot be your standard. It cannot be your standard. So we need boundaries in our relationships. You need to know how much burden to bear. You know, in that same book, one guy said, uh, for instance, uh, sorry, the guy said, for instance, if your husband keeps coming home drunk, he said, you can't control it. But when you set boundaries, you need to tell him, next time you come home drunk, I'm going to go to the neighbor's house with the children and we're going to spend the night there. And by the way, I'm going to tell him, why, I tell the neighbor why we're there to spend the night. Yeah? Or maybe send an email to the church. Does anybody have a spare room? My husband is drunk. <laughs> you know, there are some things boundaries just do when you make decisions. Sometimes it just helps put people in check. Yeah? So boundaries are not only drawn for people. Boundaries must also be drawn for behaviors and ideas and negative culture. So examples are things like visitation rights, contact with certain people refusing certain thoughts and ideologies. 2 Corinthians 10.5 tells us to cast down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God uh, and bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. You can imagine uh, playing football. Amen. Playing football without boundaries. You know the reason why you join a football club, Arsenal for example, is that you have boundaries. I want you to take the boundaries out of football. Ronaldo will not be a superstar. Do you agree? Huh? Because when the boundaries are out, there's no goalpost. 
So imagine you are saying, I have a match to watch at 5 o'clock. And then the referee just puts the ball anywhere and just starts playing. And they are 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 playing. When there are no boundaries, you can't even say we won. When there are no boundaries, you can't say we lost. There are no boundaries. When there are no boundaries, there's no go, there's no uh, uh, go post. There's no throwing. You know, uh, Pastor Jesus was saying, it's those days of monkey post. You know, huh, somebody felt it. <laughs> you know those days of monkey post. Now you have Astro Tough and all those things. We, we happen to be of the generation that played on concrete. Without boots. You know those bad injuries on your big toe? You want to shoot the ball and there. Uh... <laughs> Amen. You know, but they'll do monkey post. Monkey post is like a small one. And so somebody will uh, start somewhere. Maybe they use your bag or your, maybe after school, they just use your bag and then they start measuring. Amen. <laughs> and then they put it. And the same person must go to the other end. When there are boundaries, we don't cheat each other. Use the same, use the same. Uh-huh. Amen. Then you choose your players, then you start playing monkey post. Or the ones where you use the wall. The wall is another. When the wall is you, when you are playing with the wall, you feel like Maradona. Just pa 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 pa. Amen. But all that was for all that was for boundaries. So we can say we, we have victory. So we can say we lost. So we can say we need to review things. So we can say we need to change things. Why? When we have boundaries. The Bible says in Ephesians 4:27. Give no place to the devil, lest he take advantage of you. Amen. So when the devil knows you don't have boundaries around a certain line. See, the guy who started, the guy who became an armed robber. When someone tells you, when they tell you they caught somebody, an armed robbery. You know, uh, for armed robbery, you know many times they say it's my first time. If all of them is the first time, then who is doing the other ones? I was telling them in the office on, uh, uh, on Friday, you know, they were saying somebody died, he's a good boy. I said, it's funny. I said, in London, I used to wonder. You know, they would say, oh, this boy died, he was a good boy, he never hurt anyone. He was shot at 3 a.m. on the road. In his dream. Amen. <laughs> if he was a good boy, what was he doing <laughs> on the road at 3 a.m.? They were, they were, you know, 3 a.m., you know, uh, some court boys shot him. If you find out, you see that there's, there's a story to it. The guy who was caught for armed robbery, I said, ah, it's my first time. Oh, you know, I just met. So it's a lie. He started stealing biro in class. See, the devil doesn't jump on you. He creeps in. You get what I'm saying? Aha. Uh-huh. So the guy was still uh, uh, biro in class. He said, I didn't steal it. I just took it. I just borrowed it. And then we coined all sorts of names for it. So I borrowed it permanently. <laughs> Amen. So he started with that. Then maybe he started to steal a bit of money in the house, uh, meat in the pot. All those things are not, they are leading somewhere. The devil is taking person somewhere. Uh, uh, Paul said, let no man say when he's tempted, I'm tempted of God. God, tempts, God does not tempt any man, neither can he be tempted by any man. He says, every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lusts. He said, lust then will give birth to sin, and sin will give birth to death. It is a gradual process. Death is what is coming, but it starts with lust. Every man is drawn away of his own lost. So there are areas in your life where you haven't even drawn boundaries and the devil knows. That is what he's going to come at you with. Amen. That is what he's going to come at you with. How many people here have never been tempted to drink beer, alcohol? 
I'm one. I've never been tempted to drink beer. So, ah, this whole church, all of you. Okay, we have a holy usher at the back there. Has never been tempted to drink beer. Yeah. So imagine you've never been tempted to drink beer. You know this. You know these uh, billboards we see now, where everything is moving. Do you know that billboard? If they sit me in front of it for a whole day, and they are showing beer and they are pouring it, you know, and the guy in the beer in the advert is doing like, it's never good. It won't tempt me. It won't change anything. It is not my lust. Do you get what I'm saying? See, every man is drawn away of his own lust. So especially for people who feel like you're weak in a certain area or the other, it's important to draw boundaries in those areas. Because that is where the devil is going to come, through you, uh, come to you at. Nigeria has 84 official borders. Pastor Idris was telling us in the second service. He says, boy, it has about 1,400 unofficial borders. When you think about this uh, Ebola thing, then you realize more and more how God is protecting us. That anybody could have walked in. Imagine it was someone who just walked in from Ogun State and just went straight to his village with the disease. You know, before that one reaches Lagos, a lot would have gone. Amen. So it's important that we draw boundaries in our personal lives because they help us conduct ourselves. Okay? Behaviors and ideas. These are some behaviors and ideas that can, uh, that can build the sanctity of our homes. Number one, having a family vision. Things like not using abusive words towards each other. Not talking down on each other. Not spending beyond our means. That is a decision the family needs to take. What we don't have, let's not spend it. When you are married, there's nothing called your own debt. <laughs> Amen. No, the two became one. So the two debts became one. Yeah? Good. So what, what you don't want to regret as a family, don't get involved in. Being guided by the word of God. A family should decide. In your relationship, you should decide that you're going to guide this family by the word of God. You're going to guide this relationship by the word of God. The, the, the uh, pledge that we read when we leave. It says, blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. Uh, praying together. As a family, do we pray together? Every now and then, do you hold your wife's hand? Do you pray about something? Do you agree over something? You know, there's this famous quote. Uh, it says, Christ is the head of the house. You've seen that in some houses before. They say, Christ is the head of this house, the unseen guest at every meal, the silent listener to every conversation. I want you to, for, for this week, think about that statement and believe that it is true. So next time you sit down at dinner, and it's two of you, just imagine Jesus has the third seat. How does Christ in your home change the dynamics of your relationship? If Christ is the silent listener, will you treat your wife the way you've been treating her? If Christ is the silent listener, will you treat your husband the way you've been treating him? If Christ is a silent listener, will you talk to your children the way you've been talking to them? So how has Christ in your home changed the way 
that we behave at home. Now, it's important to note that you may be unable to bar some people totally from your marriage, and that is not the point, but you can draw boundaries to affect their behavior. And I want to talk about four potential militants to your marriage or your relationship. Four potential militants. This is to your marriage or relationship. Number one, children. Children. You see this very cute baby here, eh? This little, now I, I remember, I look at my daughter sometimes, and I remember the day she was born. You know, and I remember, I think the week after, or the second week, I was telling my friends, I said, man, you know, this is the kind of daughter I prayed for. You know, she doesn't cry at night. She doesn't, you know, I just pat her, she just sleeps. She just eats, I was, you know. And now I think back to those days. And I'm looking at her and I'm like, <laughs> where did all that go? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Children, married couples, we need to watch out for that. Those are potential militants. See, go and check your marriage certificate when you get back home. Your children's names are not there. They are part of the family. They are not part of the marriage. I'm I'm presently trying to convince my uh, daughter to move to her own room. You know, I used to hear friends talk about it then. I thought, ah, it's going to be, you know... To move to her own room now, we're trying to, I've, I've tried to, you know, my wife to say, ah, it's your turn to put Ariel to sleep. Okay, I'll go and put her to sleep, you know. Ari, sleep. Sleep! Ah, I have work to do. <laughs> Amen. You know, and before you know it, so, so what we're doing now is we're leaving the room to her door open and the room to my door open. Amen. So that whenever she wakes up in the middle of the night, she can just walk into her room. It's early days. Amen. But I just realized, man, we need to do this thing at some point. Amen. I, I brought her up sleeping on my chest. It was I loved it. Oh. <laughs> you know? But I'm, I'm almost regretting it now. Oh, no, I want to sleep on daddy's chest. I want to sleep on daddy's chest. <laughs> daddy's chest is closed. <laughs> Amen. You know? Last week, she woke up, and she said, hello, husband. I said, okay. <laughs> we need to draw boundaries. I said, Ariel, I'm not your husband. <laughs> Trust me, I'm not your husband. <laughs> Say, hi, husband. <laughs> Shut up. I'm not your husband. I need her to grow up quickly so I can lead her to Christ. Because <laughs> the girl is a... Uh... <laughs> You know, I'm hugging my wife and I just feel this thing come between us. <laughs> I'm like, oh. <laughs> <You know? laughs> that girl could be a firefighter sometimes, you know. <laughs> you don't, I mean, the mood is right, everything is, uh, you know. And then, oh man, yeah. I'm like, okay, this girl needs to move to her room. Amen. I hear the Holy Spirit saying this girl needs to move. I can give you a word of knowledge that this girl needs to move to her room. Amen. Her new style now is that she sleeps, then she joins us, and then around 4 a.m. she wakes up. She wants to watch, uh, uh, what's that one that's always running to the toilet? Huh? Nani, Granny? Nina? Okay, yes. She wants to watch Nina, you know. Yesterday, I was watching football, and I could hear her saying something. Something CBBs, CBBs. And I'm like, okay. 
Honey, is this girl saying that she wants to start competing with me for what we watch? Because I'm hearing CBBs. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> you, need to, you need to watch out for that. If not, see, don't, don't do things like um, using your children as emotional outlets. Amen. I, I told a couple once, husband, don't tell your child your mother is a bad wife. Your child does not relate to her, uh, to her mother as a wife. She will never understand that statement. There are good mothers who are bad wives. If you tell your child your mother is a bad wife, she will interpret it as you saying your mother is a bad mother and may hate you for it. Don't, don't. All this, uh, go and tell your mommy, I want to eat. You know both of you are not talking. <laughs> so the children are the messenger. Mommy, daddy wants to eat. Eat. Go and tell daddy there's no food. <laughs> daddy. <laughs> I know sometimes children love these things. <laughs> daddy, mommy says there's no food. Ah, but daddy, I saw mommy cooking just before you came home. Why is she saying that there's no food? You know how your mommy behaves. I'm really, ah, okay. Mommy, don't tell daddy that I told you. But daddy... <laughs> And then you see jealousy. Je- Believe me, it's possible. You see, you see jealousy where the husband is looking at the child and saying, if I get you. <laughs> Amen. You know, especially they say when you have a son, the son clings a lot to the mother, when you have a daughter. And, and I think that kind of plays out. But you need to know where to draw the line. Hallelujah. Don't allow unrestricted access to your bedroom. This one that your daughter can just enter any time. I pray you don't have to explain some things one day. Yeah? Uh-huh. So don't allow that. These children are going to go away one day. They're going to start their own homes. Then you find out that you and your wife are familiar strangers. Why? Because you focused all your attention in the last 20 years on the kids and neglected to know each other better. Go and check it out. You see, the statistic is very high for, for older couples divorcing. Very high. You think after so many years, they should be used to each other? No. When the children came, they focused all their attention, all their energies. You know, your going to work became about the children. Your saving became about the children. Everything you did became about the children. In fact, you may have heard this statement before where the mother says, I'm only staying in this because of the children. It's a time bomb. (laughs) It will blow one day. Amen. Friends, you must never value your friend's company or approval above your spouse's. You must never value your friend's company or approval. Pastor uh, Idris was saying in second service that your closest friends are not necessarily your best friends. When you would always rather hang out with your friends than spend time with your family, something is wrong. Yes, I know you were born from the same womb. You grew up together. You were in the same neighborhood. You played football together. You saw him in his nappies. Fine. But you are not married to him. Amen. You are not married to him. And you need to be able to draw that line. So what, 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 what is the influence of their counsel over you? Does what they say override what you have agreed with your wife. Any friend who draws you away from your spouse may not be worth it. Amen. Any friend who draws you away from your spouse 
You tell you, don't, don't mind him. That's how men behave. He's a divorcee talking to you. That's how men behave. This is how you should treat him. Just do this when you get home. Mm-mm. In Proverbs 22, 24 to 25, it says, Do not associate with a man given to anger or go with a hot-tempered man or you will learn his ways and find a snare for yourself. Yeah? Learn his ways and find a snare for yourself. Some people, not all people, some people have been unable to manage their homes and may not in the, be in the best place to advise you on how to manage yours. Number three, extended family and in-laws. Extended families and in-laws. In-laws can be a great blessing to your family when you draw the right boundaries. So the boundaries you draw depend on the kind of in-laws you have. I need to move quickly. We have good in-laws. Good in-laws have your interest at heart. They pray for you. They support you. They love you without interfering. You need to reciprocate their love and reciprocate their respect. Amen. I happen to have good in-laws. My wife happens to have good in-laws. They don't call us and say, ah, I'm coming to spend a week with you. I'm at Aja already. Amen. And then you tell your wife, oh, mommy's coming. Oh. Eh, ah, when? Now. <laughs> you see, that's, that's a problem. You know, you, 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 I mean, I've heard of in-laws where the mother goes into the, 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 the bedroom, the family bedroom, and she goes to lie on the bed. Or the minute she steps into the house, she takes over cooking duties for her son because you changed his diapers, you saw him when he was young. You know what he likes best. <laughs> Someone said the, most, the two most important women in your life believe that they have the best interest, your best interest at heart. And when two people have your best interest at heart, you are in trouble. Two women, your wife and your mother. They have your best interests at heart. <laughs> but you need to draw a line. Yeah? You need to draw a line. Uh, unreasonable in-laws. I call them outlaws. They have their own interests at heart. They are willing to inconvenience you for their own convenience and they make unreasonable demands. Ah, mommy, the only money we have is for the new car we are planning to buy. And then they start playing the emotional game. Amen. No, 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 no. Draw a line. They will, give, they will take everything you have as long as you keep giving. So you need to decide how you want to manage their demands. Decide what you, want, what you can do and vice versa. It's important. Do not ask your wife to speak to your own mother. Amen. We've decided this is what we're going to do. It's time to tell mommy. Ah, you go and tell her. <laughs> no, no, no. You face your family. Let her face her family. Amen? When there are issues with my mother-in-law, my wife deals with it. When there are issues with my own mom, I deal with it. It's as simple as that. If she's going to hate me, which she won't, well, it's me, her son. But the minute it's your wife who communicates all the decisions and the soon you are going to hear she's the one who makes all decisions in the house she's the one influencing him she's the one not allowing him to do anything no that's where those things come from then you have wicked (laughs) in-laws okay many at times they are non-believers they have evil intentions at heart they have an inexplicable desire to see you or your marriage 
fail. For such people, you need to engage in spiritual warfare. For such people, you need to speak to the controlling spirits over their lives, but maintain your covenant responsibilities to them. Amen. So if you are sending money to mommy, keep sending money to mommy. But if you feel like, ah, there's something in operation here, you need to stay in the place of prayer, keep engaging God in that place. Why? Because, listen, they exist. Wicked in-laws exist. I'm not saying yours are wicked. I'm not saying you should get any ideas after this. Ah, okay, this must be the definition of my in-laws. Ah, Pastor, thank you for this message. <laughs> no. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. So each person should act as a shield for the other, and we should keep clear lines of separation between the nuclear and the extended family. We should mutually agree and manage information flow and input in decision-making. They are what you call terrorists. He says, uh, uh, you should be wa- beware of agents of the devil. They seek to divide your home through infidelity and adultery. Proverbs 7.10 talks about the uh, uh, woman with the attire of an harlot and a crafty heart. Let me conclude. When people are disconnected from God, they find it difficult to recognize and to respect and defend boundaries. In Mark 3.27, it says, in fact, no one can enter a strong man's house Without first tying him up, then he can plunder the strong man's house. Cultivate God's presence in your home, praying and studying together. Ensure that you and your spouse are still in vital relationship with God and keep asking the question, how are we doing spiritually? Psalm 46 and verse 5, it says, God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her just at the break of dawn. I want us to bow our heads and I want us to... Let's talk to the